Welcome to the Christian Foundry Podcast, where iron sharpens iron for the glory of God, the exaltation of Christ, and the edification of the saints. That's how you do it right there. That's how you do it. Is that how you do it? That's great. That's right. how you do it. Well, we want to win. <laughs> Two. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Foundry Podcast. Uh, today, we will uh, be talking about creeds, catechisms, and confessions. Like Apollo Creed from Rocky, right? Yes. Cool. And with us today, we have a special guest sitting in the place of Justin Shipley. And our newest sponsor of the podcast. Yes, Salmon's Farms. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the newest sponsor. If you would like to sponsor us, just uh, the ask chicken ben how much. That needs a licking. <laughs> <laughs> and let's, let's move on from there. Yeah, uh, Salmon's the, Farms is actually broke right now, so <laughs> we're not going to be able to contribute anything. Which means the Christian Foundry podcast is broke yeah, as well. Yeah, this will, be, this will be our last episode. Yeah, you can tell that by all the technical difficulties we had before. Oh, What's man. that buzz? No one even knew about it, but now you've brought it up. Yeah, well, now our audio guy, fire audio guy. Oh, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to be talking about creeds, confessions, and catechisms today, which is a very important topic that gets a lot of, uh, really gets overlooked in many churches because maybe of different reasons. We can talk about that, but we've got our, our brother Ben Sammons here with us today, and in place of Justin Shipley. Justin would be here today, too, but he's somewhere, probably flying a plane or something. I don't know. Church discipline when he gets back. Yep. <laughs> you were reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have Ben, and Ben would have been here anyway. Uh, we, we want to talk to Ben and talk about the needs the needs for creeds, the need for creeds and confessions and catechisms. So, Ben, just start out with us and, and uh, tell us a little bit about you. And, and uh, All right, well, well, first of all, uh, I, I'm nothing more than a sinner who's been saved by grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, Amen. first and foremost, uh, I, don't, I don't have anything that I haven't been given, and including the opportunities uh, both to be here and to study and and to know the Lord, those are all opportunities that's been given. Nothing that I actually went out and acquired or got through some other means. But, but at any rate, um, man, I, I tell you, if I could, I'd like to just start by saying what a privilege it is to be able to serve uh, with men such as yourselves, who are guys that are uh, zealous for truth, care about doctrine, uh, the Lord says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. We serve a God that is the God of truth. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And and all too often, truth is set aside for the sake of unification and mm-hmm. so that we can all get along. So mm-hmm. we, we actually truth. sweep truth under the rug all too often and belittle truth just for the sake of I guess being able to continue to speak to each other or get along with each other or not have some sort of disunity. And I, I don't know if that sort of goes hand in hand with what we're looking at talking about today as far as these creeds and confessions goes, but I think it probably does. It absolutely does. Absolutely. Uh, it can. And so anyway, you know, it, it's just an honor and a privilege of mine to have the opportunity to be able to serve alongside men such as yourselves who are, who are in love with the Lord, uh, zealous for truth and, biblically sound so I, i'd like to say that first of all well we're happy but, to have you here yeah absolutely, absolutely. Uh, a little bit about myself uh 
pretty pitiful person, really, just to tell you the truth. Uh, don't really have a whole lot to offer. Agreed. I'm, I'm just, hey, here we go. <laughs> you know, uh, the only reason I love the Lord is because He first loved me. Amen. You mm-hmm. know, and so I, it's nothing, nothing special about me. I just uh, want to be an encouragement, uh, a strength to all of those who need it, and and serve the Lord and give Him the glory ultimately. I think so. we should start out with what a creed is, because that's a little bit more advanced than some of your, you know beginner church members and that's a bad term but yeah. you know what i mean yeah well let's look, let's look at the scripture we were talking about earlier ben you brought out ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16 you got that handy you want to yeah. start out with that and, yeah and, i do here and then we'll uh, break it down from there and and see what it really kind of implies and then we can start with what a creed is what a confession is what a catechism is and and then we'll talk about its importance all right, uh, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11, reads this way. And he gave the apostles... Oh, by the way, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I don't know if that's important or not, but I just throw that out there. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain, or excuse me, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the body, the whole body that is, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And while... These verses do not give any sort of explicit language here where where it says, hey, uh, creeds, confessions, catechisms are, are an absolute must. You, you're in disobedience if you don't have them. You're in utter sin without them. Uh, we, it doesn't necessarily say any of that. However, there is world of implication not only here but in other passages of Scripture, especially as we recognize the offices that are still held within the church, uh, the word shepherds here are used synonymously with the overseer, bishop, in some cases we say pastor, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that type of office in the church, as well as the teachers. And, and Paul here, writing to the church in Ephesus, lays out what the duties of, of these pastors, elders, whatever you want to call those teachers, uh, sort of what their purpose is, and and that is to equip the saints for a specific purpose. And in this equipping, uh, so so I guess we could ask the question, what does that look like? What, what does it look like for the pastor and the teacher 
to equip the saints for the purpose of doing this work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that that sort of shows itself in a lot of different lights, but but one of those is uh, I, I can't help but think of, I believe it's Colossians, maybe three or four, where the Apostle Paul says to make the best use of the time. Uh, and, and he mentions there being able to answer each person. And and so what, what I'm leading up to here with this, as far as the role of the shepherds, the teachers, and the purpose, and everything involved here in equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, is is to preach, to teach. What that looks like is expounding on God's Word to the people that are sitting in front of you and not to the people that are not. And and so there there's a lot that could be said about that, but there is a purpose for it. It it is to uh, build up and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And what what's going on here is is there's not a command that says close your Bible and don't read it. But what it does say is that not everybody's going to be proficient in Holy Scripture. Not everybody's going to know how to rightly handle the word of truth. Not not everybody is going to be articulate in expounding on the scriptures or or just locking yourself in a room somewhere and just reading your Bible and expecting to flourish and, and grow in the faith in Christ. It, it requires things other than Holy Scripture. And I'm not trying to imply here, i got to be real careful, I'm not trying to say that the Holy Scriptures are not sufficient, that that they're not inerrant, that they are somehow coming short, but what I am saying is, is us being infected with the sin nature, our perception and ability to conceive the perfectly revealed truth that is in Holy Scripture is so tainted and skewed that we can read Holy Scripture and some of us just don't catch the truth that's there. And, and so we have... The preachers, teachers, and I'm moving on into these statements of faith, such as uh, confessions and catechisms, which are in fact man-written things. Uh, that that if they're good ones, they themselves do not hold themselves equal to or even above Holy Scripture, but but they do have a purpose, and and it's it's sort of hand-in-hand hand here with, with the purpose that I think that Paul was driving at when he talks about these offices in the church and what their purposes are and the fact that you know not everybody can glean uh, truths from Holy Scripture and, and sometimes we have to rely on other Christians to, to help us along. That's right. So these other Christians, there are other Christians you would say that are, that are writing these confessions and creeds and even writing the catechisms, which we'll get into. So these are other Christians that have come along and put together documents that help us, really help us understand Scripture, help us understand what we believe and and drive us to pursue holiness. Absolutely. And, and what is so critical is they drive us to truth and unity. And, and we, see, we see the command here, uh, that the Apostle Paul in, in Ephesians 4 verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge 
of the Son of God. And so I, I don't know if it's appropriate at this time to make this statement, but, but let me just say this. Uh, oddly enough, we, we could even limit this to, to just here in Jonesboro, or we could look all the way across the country as a whole. Uh, but, but there's actually a church on every corner. And they're all reading the same Bible. However, we have all this disunity. We have all of this... I don't know what's the best way to, I hate to use the word ignorance, but the reality is instead of knowledge, we have ignorance of Holy Scripture. And so there, there's no unity in that whatsoever, especially amongst the uh, invisible or what we might call the universal church. Um, and, and so we have all of these different ideas, views, and opinions that are surrounded around the same truth. And and so there's a big time problem there. You know, we were when, talking before um, at our pre-production dinner, aka the men's breakfast, um, <laughs> that a lot of the Christian groups on Facebook are some of the biggest dumpster fires you'll ever come across. Absolutely, it is supposed Christians arguing and bickering about the Word of God. Yeah, and not in a loving manner. No, either. There's no charity had in some of these groups. And what we're Christians. We're supposed to be the best of the best because we are supposed to be the honoring the best of the best and going in his image. Sure. Why is it this way? Why do we do th- such a thing? The reason why we do is, well, let me say this. One of the reasons why it is because, and, and I'm not meaning this in a demeaning way or, or a way that is trying to belittle someone else or, or anything of that nature. So please don't take it this way. Uh, but there, there is overwhelming ignorance uh, that starts at the leadership of the church most of the time. And, and there is a trickle-down effect. It, it doesn't get better from, from the leadership down. It, it just gets worse. Uh, you know the the scriptures are not expounded on one of the one of the movements that's sort of happening right now is expository preaching is beginning to to get popular again and taking a move away from these topics which in my opinion are are dangerous just just because you know we've got a guy here who's sitting around trying to dream up something to talk about on Sunday morning he's trying to get out and find some scriptures that's actually going to support what he's thinking rather than his expounding being of the scriptures themselves in the scripture taking center stage and and we have this uh, this topical stuff that's in, in some cases it's starting to become less popular and and we're beginning to see um, expository preaching take uh, center stage once again but but one of the explanations for a lot of this disunity is there again we first of all we don't have people who know how to read their bible they they don't understand holy scripture in the literary context in the historical context in which it was written uh and and then to take into account the the political scene the cultural scene that was going on at the time and we don't we don't read the Bible with all those things in mind. We read the Bible with a head full of presuppositions, and and we bring a certain amount of meaning that is not there 
to Holy Scripture when we come to it, unfortunately. And we read into our, our, we read our own personal lives into the pages of God's Word, which is blasphemy, by the way. Uh, but, but at any rate, and, and, and so from some of those things, there's other things, but, but from some of those things come all of this spun up ignorance, uh, that we see flourishing in, in today's church, which, which is unfortunate. And so it, it brings about disunity. It brings about church splits, squabbles in the church. When we have people that want to stand on biblical untruth, you know, that's, that's really not, there's no such thing as that. But wait a minute. Biblical untruth. Hmm. Yeah. But anyway, they want to stand for things that are absolutely not scriptural and take a hard, firm stand on those things. And, and in the reality is, they're so blinded by their own ignorance they don't realize they're standing in midair. There, there's there's nothing underneath them. They don't know the scriptures, and we see church splits, church squabbles, uh, all sorts of disagreements that are centered around things that are really things that are outside the church, and especially outside the scriptures that has found their way into the church, unfortunately. And uh, and so the the creeds, confessions, catechisms really help us to define what it is that we believe that the Bible says, first and foremost. Uh, and and that sort of does away with a lot of the, where you've got a church on every corner. I mean, here, here's how bad it is. There's over 2,000 denominations across the country. The reason why there is is because we have so many different opinions on what it is the Bible says. And and we're quick to throw out this word interpretation. Well, there is only one interpretation. That's right. The the Bible is not a book that carries with it many interpretations, and you can just take it for yourself. And hey, it, it can be truth for you and truth for me, even though we disagree. Uh, it it can still be truth for all of us, and and that's not quite how it works. And and so. These creeds, confessions, and catechisms go a long ways towards uh, defining exactly what it is that we think the Bible says on different points of doctrine, especially that are critical points within the church. One time, uh, Sinclair Ferguson, I don't know him, and I don't want to throw his name out there as if I have some sort of personal relationship with him, uh, but I, I do know that he is a, a very well-studied and trusted theologian. Uh, he, he said once we, there was a conversation that was going on about creeds, confessions, and things of that nature, and we're talking about Holy Scripture. And uh, sort of hypothetically here, the question was asked, well, you, you know, if I were to ask you or anyone else in your church, what just exactly what is it that you believe? And you say, well, well, we believe the Bible. And his response was, well, you know, that really wouldn't be that helpful, would it? Because you're not going to find a church across the country that will say, we don't believe the Bible. All of them say that they believe the Bible, yet they're all so different. But there's not that much difference in God's Word. And so Sinclair says, in his opinion, anything shorter 
than something like the 1689 London Baptist Confession or the Westminster Confession. Anything shorter than that is is really going to be insufficient to handle or, or to give us a look at, at what it is the Bible says on these points of doctrine that would routinely come up within the church. Those two documents you just mentioned, the 1689 and the, the Westminster, they happen to be really deep. Absolutely. With, with tons of scripture, proof texts, and all of those things. So people can go right to the Word to see why it says this is what we believe. So the question I have before we dive deeper um, is, for instance, it's been said the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith is the, the Baptist, it says it in its name, the Baptist Confession, and the Westminster, the Presbyterian. So what would you say when you, when you talk about 2,000 different denominations, would you say that um, the Methodists have to fall in line under one of these? Or the Pentecostals, or uh, well, what what I would say is, unfortunately, there's there's a lot of these that really, when we're talking about in terms of denominations, there's a lot of these that really don't have much of a uh, a thorough confession. They're they're typically going to have something like a set of bylaws in their church. Mm-hmm. They may have some sort of uh, minimal faith statement that that might say something about what they're they believe uh but but the reality is it's not going to go into uh very many uh points of doctrine that would have any depth or bite to them that would help drive us to truth or or even establish uh some type of truth that we could all unify around and and so you know, as far as the differences between the two, between uh, what's what, what would ordinarily be Presbyterian, those those would hold to the Westminster, and and some of the rest of us would uh, unify around the uh, 1689 London Baptist Confession. Uh, one of the primary differences between the two, while they're not completely identical. Uh, they're they're very close, but but one of the primary differences between the two is going to be the position on baptism, and and I, I'm not sure I'm not sure if I'm speaking to what you're talking about there, brother, exactly, but uh, but at any rate, uh, you know, there, there's just going to be primarily a difference, but taking uh, the position on baptism, and and the rest of it's pretty well going to be the same. So I'm guessing I'm, what I'm really asking, I think, is okay. if I were a Methodist minister and I got really serious about what does God's Word really say, and then I got studying the Word and then I came across the 1689, and I thought, man, this is God has revealed it to me that this is this is it. Should I now? And I know that the minute the Methodists they trans they do the whole thing every so often they get a new minister that comes in and they trans you know go all they traveling and whatever. But if I'm the, the the pastor of this Methodist congregation, should I then say, "Hey, folks, we're no longer Methodists; we're Baptists"? Call the sign company. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you see what I'm saying? Is should every denomination that's out there fit under one of these two? Uh, absolutely. 
So Absolutely. There, so there, there should never be anything that is found outside the umbrella, in my opinion now. This is only my opinion. But but I think my opinion can be supported by Holy Scripture. But uh, there there should never be anything that is found outside the umbrella of of either one of these two uh, documents. And uh, just to throw this out here, first of all, if you're a Methodist, uh, I, I would want to uh, I, I would want to know for sure that you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit if you are the pastor. Uh, and and I would definitely want to realize some truth of God's word and some application uh, dealing with some of the positions within the church. And I know I know we're not here to talk about Methodists, but but if 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 I realize that I was in fact dwelt with the Holy Spirit, then first of all, I'm going to be overwhelmingly concerned about the truth of God's word. So, so I'm going to want to know what does God's word tell me? You know, first of all, how how do we know what the will of God is? Well, we're going to have to consult His word. Mm-hmm. How how are we going to know what His truth is? We're going to get that from His word. We do not receive divine revelation anymore. That's right. There there Absolutely. is no voices coming from heaven. Nobody is hearing a word from God, although that's a thing that's thrown out and and. Yep. Boy, what a pitiful thing. Uh, but anyway, none of that's going on. This is the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And so if I find myself in the League of the Saints, I'm, I'm in the universal church, and I happen to be a, a Methodist or a Pentecost or, or any of these other denominations, uh, and all of a sudden my eyes are open to the truth of Scripture, then, then the very first thing is... Uh, I'm going to have to repent uh, with with a contrite heart, yeah. And yeah. I'm going to need to make a confession before my church and say, "Look, uh, you know, I've, I've I've been leading out of ignorance, mm. and I'm so sorry. And uh, we, we've got to structure this church and get it in line in accordance to Holy Scripture. Mm. And if we're having difficulty discerning exactly what Holy Scripture says on these things. Uh, you know that that's where we're going to be looking to other men that are born again in the faith, uh, that are biblically sound. We're we're also going to take a look at what these uh, confessions would say on particular points of doctrine, and and they're also going to shed quite a bit of light on what Scripture itself says. Not necessarily that we're leaning on these things as some sort of a commentary. Not, not quite so much that as, as much as the, the purpose of this is instruction, unity, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. But, but it's going to be valuable to that Methodist minister. First of all, if this person happens to be a woman, then she's going to realize right off the bat that she's not qualified for pastoral ministry. And, and so in that case, you know, you're going to have a, a major shift. And if the person does happen to be a man and he, he uh, uh, comes to faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit of truth is now indwelt in this person, uh, Jesus said, uh, if any man should come after me, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross and follow. Well, you know, we're following the Lord of truth. 
And so the truth of his word is going to become very, very important to us. And uh, so if, if I'm that Methodist minister or, or whatever the thing, then then yeah, the, the truth of the word of God is going to become overwhelmingly important. And, and this truth is sort of summarized, we, we might say, in these confessions. Yeah. You said something that if a person is indwelt with the Holy Spirit, then they are going to care about the truth of God's Word. Absolutely. Which, which ultimately made me think, and this is another topic for another time, and then we're going to jump into what a creed and a confession truly is and a, a catechism, but it makes me just think about how many people are sitting in churches all across the world that are unconverted because they have no tr- no desire to know the truth of God's Word. They just take what the pastor says, they just take what they interpret the Bible to mean, and that's it. There's no, you know, they don't care what God has said. What has pastor so-and-so said, and what have I interpreted in my own heart what the Scripture says? And Ben, you said it right. There's only one interpretation. I used to sit in Bible studies. Well, this meant to me, or, well, I think it means this, or this is what I took from it. It's like, no, this is not what the Bible does. We are to see what God has said and leave our emotions, thoughts, and what we want it to say out of it. So uh, that was just a side thought, just how many people, even pastors are in pulpits who don't care about the truth of God's Word. They're just going to take it for the sake of unity and teach what they want. Yeah, you know, They're not going to rock the boat. We talked about that at our pre-production breakfast, um, about there's preachers out there that probably know more truth than they lead on. They just don't want to rock the boat and cause disunity in the church. Sometimes... We're going to talk about this probably, sounds like next episode, doctrinal divisions and doctrinal uh, unity and disunity. And uh, the truth of God's Word will cause disunity if one cares about it rightly. Well, I mean, we're, we're all about opposite of truth. And, and when, when you're indwelt with the sin nature, as we all are, and especially those who are in the church that are unconverted, you know, the, the church is, I, I'm not trying to be ugly here, but the church is actually full of people who are unregenerate, who have not been born mm-hmm. again. And, and so when... Should I not have said no, yes. No, yes. So, so, <laughs> and actually, that's funny because we have so, talked about that quite a bit. Oh, yeah. We have yeah. talked about the purpose of church in the South a lot of times is to get those sinners in there so we can convert them and send that number on to the SBC. Sure, that, and, that's exactly and right. And we've talked about how that's not what the church's purpose is supposed to be. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and so when when this untruth comes in contact with truth, you know, there there's where a problem strikes. And and while this is, is just a side note, the reality is this side note is, is one of the root causes of all these denominations. Yeah. And, and so it, it's critical to the yeah. conversation. And you mentioned something about reporting to the SBC uh, and all of that. It, it, if I could here, sure. I, I don't know if I'm at liberty. Uh, uh, I think we'll allow it this time. Okay. Just this time. <laughs> just, just one time, though. <laughs> it, it's, it's been a while since I've taken a look at this, but in the preface to uh, the uh, Baptist Faith and Message. 2000. Uh, 2000. Exactly, 2000. Which is uh, a long way away from 1689. Yes, it, it oh, oh, it is. Uh, Just a little bit. There there are no new truths. Uh, <laughs> but but anyway, uh, it, it, if I'm not mistaken, it says in that preface that, you know, look, we're, we wanted to move away from confessions because we felt like they were too restrictive on, on the people. 
and and so what what you get into in in that case especially when we're looking at uh, reporting numbers as being a priority rather than truth yep. and yep. and our priority being are are we as a church or even as individuals obedient to the word of the lord do we even know what the word of the lord says mm. or speaking to you know what Stephen commented just a minute ago is it is it something that has come from some other foolish person that's made some comments, and we're attributing that to being the word of the Lord, and we really don't know what God's word says. Well, we've and lost so, the idea of what facts and feelings are. Yeah, no, true. This and, is fact. Yeah, yeah, a absolutely. Lot of this is feeling. Sure, and and so anyway, we we've unfortunately, and I think it's a a bad thing to do. We have taken steps away in the church from confessions, which, by the way, I'm not a church historian. I know just enough church history to be dangerous. <laughs> but uh, but, I, but I will say this. Confessions used to be the norm. I mean, yeah, there, yeah. there was nothing unusual about a confession. Everybody knew what the Apostles' Creed was. Oh, and unfortunately, we've we've moved away from that, and and it's devastating. And oddly enough, at the same time that we've moved away from that, we've moved into embracing all of this these different types of of diverse beliefs within the church, and we've given given all of them the stamp of truth. Mm. And while they're not, but for the sake. Of of trying to unify and to report those numbers to the SBC, we've thrown away or minimized truth and made the truth to be whatever it is that we want it to be. And and the preface to the the Faith and Message two thousand says, you know, we we've pulled away from confessionalism just because we don't want to be this restrictive and we want to open the door to all other kinds of ideas. But guys. Let's let's consider something for just a second here. The Christian faith, one of the biggest problems with the Christian faith, if you actually do stand for the truth of the word of the Lord, which which is something that you know is not quite so common. We don't see it very often, but if you do actually stand for that truth, then you're first of all going to realize that you're dealing with an exclusive truth. This is the truth, and it's the truth while everything else is not the truth. And the willingness to say, hey, I'm telling the truth. My God is right. My Christ is right. My Holy Spirit is right. His Word is right. And these things that you're saying, these ideas that you're having, are wrong. And, and we've, we've lost the willingness to do that. And, and to do it in a loving way yeah. so that we can report high numbers, large church growth. We can send in and, and hey, it's all about the money, right? Let's, let's pull in as much money as we possibly can. Let's be able to report as many conversions. And it's so sad because we've even uh, slain the gospel in the street in a lot of these churches by getting people to repeat after me or hold mm -hmm. up their hand and we can report in that, hey, People, you know, yeah. people, you know what that sounds like? We've had that sounds uh, like a dangerous game. 
We've had uh, X number of people saved in our church this year when the truth is those people are as lost as a ball in high weeds. They've just said something, and so now you've insulted the Lord and even put these people in greater danger because they may be dealing now with some sort of false sense of security that they are in Christ when, in fact, they're headed for perdition. Go ahead. You go. So uh, another thing, too, is after they profess to be believers, now they might be getting on an airplane and going somewhere and teaching and, you know, oh, on, absolutely. on a mission trip. It just trip keeps or, going on and yeah. on and on. Yeah, and they sure. may have a, a very skewed um, understanding of what the gospel truly is. And, oh, that, yeah. and that, that, that leads back to what we said, too. If they don't have a true indwelling of the Spirit, they're not going to care about the truth of God's word. That's right. Which means they're going to get on that airplane or go to that other city in America and, and quote unquote evangelize. They're just going to regurgitate words they've heard from somebody else. Yeah. Whether yes. they're true or not. Exactly. And that, that's, that's as dangerous as anything else. Yes. So I think we're seeing here the importance. And one of the things you said about the Baptist faith and message is at the, the preface of it, it says basically it's too restrictive, these confessions of old that they're moving away from. Well, the problem with that statement is, and I'm going to get fired up here a little bit just go because ahead. I've here been studying go. through go ahead. this. I need, I need here we go. Well, this, this frustrates me to no end because people think that Christianity is narrow, that these creeds and confessions are narrow. Well, let me just give you all a, a newsflash here. Jesus tells us that Christianity is narrow, Absolutely. right? He says narrow is the gate. Narrow is the <laughs> gate. Narrow is the way. Why? We When we start opening up these confessions to say, oh, well, and just the Baptist faith and message 2000 is, to me, should be thrown away and put in a garbage can because it is too wishy-washy. It leaves so much openness for well, people well, to <laughs> interpret Scripture the way they want to. It doesn't pinpoint accuracy. Uh, it doesn't have pinpoint accuracy of what the Bible teaches. Therefore, we are opening up that narrow way that Jesus talks about, and we're giving ourselves the ability to get on the wide open path that leads to destruction, mm-hmm. and it leads to people not knowing the true gospel of Jesus Christ, not truly being indwelt with the Holy Spirit because they're repeating a prayer so they can put the numbers on the board at the SBC. Therefore, we got tons of people that profess to be Christians, especially even Baptists, that have no clue what the 1689 is. And what it says exactly, yeah. and and now we've got wishy washy quote unquote believers that would rather get up at five o'clock in the morning and go deer hunting or to work out than they would to get up on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock and go gather with the saints because they care about truth. True, right. that's true. I'm off my soapbox now. Are, well, are you sure? You should probably keep it around though. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, probably just in case. Let's segue into this. What is a creed? Well. A creed. I, I don't have the the actual definitions in front of me, but but these these creeds and confession. Maybe maybe if we if we talk about what the purposes of uh, of these creeds and confessions and and these things actually are, might shed a little bit of light as to as to what they are and and what their purpose is. But uh, a creed. Is is basically going to be a statement affirming what something is, That's right. and and what's uh, what's believed about it. Uh, the confessions are going to be similar. Uh, the confessions are going to do the same thing. They're gonna they're gonna make a statement about 
different points of doctrine. You know, my some of the uh, confessions that I prefer would be those that start with Holy Scripture. And and the reason why is because it, it's through Holy Scripture. That is the special revelation of God. It's through Holy Scripture that we even know the gospel or, or that we can even know God salvifically. Uh, apart from Holy Scripture, you know, we're, we're pretty well in a mess, you know. And, and so I, I tend to prefer a confession that, that would at least begin with, uh, the scriptures defining what the scriptures are. And, and that sort of leads me to the other practical use of, uh, of something like a confession is not only does it make a statement about what it is that we believe and what it is that we affirm about the truth, but in, in places it also distinguishes and, and says what the truth is not. Yeah. And which, which can sometimes be just as helpful and maybe even more, uh, I shouldn't say more important than truth, but, but it, it can benefit us in some ways just as much as the truth to say, you know, this is what we would believe, and this over here is what we don't believe. Right. So we look at a creed, and it's a, I think a creed would be a smaller summary of what we believe. Exactly. Now, not necessarily, we don't have, they don't necessarily have scripture proof text, although they can. Uh, two of the main ones we think about when we think about creeds are the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. The Apostles' Creed, probably a little more popular than the Nicene Creed, but e- either one are, are very sufficient. Uh, you have something pulled up over there? Yeah, I've, I've just got the Britannica official definition of creed oh, thank and you. confession of faith. So it says, creed, also called confession of faith, give it a second though, an authoritative formulation of the beliefs of a religious community or by transference of individuals. The term creed and confession of faith are sometimes used interchangeably, but when distinguished, creed refers to a brief affirmation of faith employed in public worship or initiation rites, while confession of faith is generally used to refer to a longer, more detailed, and systematic doctrinal declaration. Absolutely. So let me read this to us real quick. Uh, this is the Apostles' Creed, and many of pe- many people may have sang this song, sang the creed, not even realized it. I know some denominations, they read it every Sunday. Yeah. It's part of the... I preached through the Apostles' Creed a few years ago here. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while, but we preached through it and shown from the Scriptures why we believe these things. But... This is simply what it says. This is the brief confession of faith, essentially, this creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We can see that in Genesis 1, right? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell, and we could, we're not going to get into this today, but we can talk through that at some other time. When we're not talking about these other things. That's another podcast. That's another episode, yeah. Uh, the third day he rose again from the dead, and I say that because there's about three distinct views that could be taken from Jesus descending to hell, whether he did or didn't, whether it was his spirit or whether it was hell on earth he went through. That's just a quick summarization of the three. Um, the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church. Now, this word Catholic simply means the universal church. This is not little the Catholic, Catholic. Yeah, little C Catholic. This is not the Catholic in the way that you may think. Roman Catholicism. Roman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. This is not Roman Catholicism. This is the universal church. So you could say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. And that is primary truth, if you ask me, that every believer must believe. Absolutely. Yes. From this very statement. That's the Apostles' Creed. I yes. think if you if you disagree with anything in here, I think you've stepped out of orthodoxy, and I don't think you could truly be a believer if you don't believe all of these points. You're definitely outside of primary doctrine, for sure, I'd feel like. No, I think if you get out of primary what? doctrine, you're an unbeliever. Yeah, you're out of orthodoxy. Yeah. If it's primary yeah. doctrine, you're out of orthodoxy. If, if, if I could just add right here, uh, this Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the uh, the... Chalcedonian definition of faith, those those things are all documents that came way before the Reformation. That's right. Yes. Those are not products of the Reformation. Amen. They didn't come from Luther, Calvin. They're, those, are, uh, those are things that come about long before the Reformation was really ever in the works. So what you're telling uh, me is the church didn't start at the Reformation. It, is that, exactly. is that what I'm hearing? Ex- exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, some of these extra biblical creeds and confessions that we unite around, such as the Apostles' Creed that was just read, we we would all affirm, uh, for sure there's no heresy here, uh, a, a biblical sort of summarization in, in the creed that... Uh, that's doctrinally sound and, and that we would all should agree and affirm. And it's not a product of the Reformation. It's not. It come way before. Way before. We're talking third century? Uh, there, there, there first is, century? There is first. language that talks about third century, but then there's also, depending on who you're reading, there's some who, obviously the apostles didn't come up with this creed. They didn't have any knowledge of the creed. But I've also... Right. I've I've also heard the third century argument. Then I've also heard that uh, the early church fathers, the the guys right after the apostles, yeah, I've heard that one. And yeah. the, the the apostles' disciples, if we can put it that way, yeah. Uh, they that the creed, some of the lines of the creed here, originated at, as early as just you know right after the end of the apostolic era. I'll, I'll yeah. put it. Yeah. So so you can't get turned off by the dirty c word with this. No, no. I mean, which, Calvinist. Is the quote unquote that's, dirty that's, C that's word? A, that's, that's a running joke. I'm sorry. We okay. Yeah. We got. Uh, three, we're talking about three C words just in this one or in this episode. Right. Alone, so you clarify <laughs> which dirty C word. <laughs> sorry. So these are the. This is long before John Calvin, the creeds, mm, well, and yeah. and if you were to take your Bible, go back to where I read the Apostles' Creed, you can find every single statement made. In the scriptures. Yep. Some even put it out there for you on the side. Yeah, there are some out there. I would encourage you to go through it your own and find it. And yeah. uh, But then you take from the creed these brief confessions of faith. Then you get into the longer confessions of faith. And we've kind of hit on those already and the need for those because they go into detail what we believe, right? And I've already said that uh, as you get away from some of these things, you're opening up interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very dangerous, as, as Papa likes to say, very dangerous game. <laughs> People. Dangerous People. game. Um, so we got to be really careful about our church's statement of faith. And one of the things that uh, a lot of churches do is they try to have one that's not as in-depth. They try to hit high points. Um, ours is is pretty in-depth, but I think I'd like to see us shift back over into primarily the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, simply because it is in detail what we believe. Um, 
so I think that if you're in a church that doesn't have a confession of faith, ask the leadership why. And if you do have a confession of faith, spend some time pouring over that thing with your Bible open and see if it really relates to Scripture. Because as we've mentioned, there's a lot of denominations that may have one, but in there they'll say something like, you're not truly saved unless you're speaking in tongues. Yep. Yeah. Right? And uh, I don't find that in my Bible. No? No, I don't find it either. I find it at Pentecost when different languages And there were different. Came. Well, I do find myself speaking in tongues sometimes. <laughs> uh, the tongues of men? When I, well, when, I, chicken? when I'm trying to order <laughs> when I'm trying to order whatever that mystery cheese dip is at the Mexican restaurant, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've encouraged, I've encouraged my boys. Listen, just for the sake of that cheese dip recipe, let's marry someone who's Hispanic. Uh, and I, you know, it, a lot of value there in that cheese dip. I don't know if I've got them talked into it or not, but, but anyway, <laughs> I probably should have mentioned just a minute ago, and maybe I did, but a lot of these creeds are products of major disputes that yeah. took place True. really in in church history now this you know not saying our specific church history as in this local communion but but these have been these creeds and actually confessions are are products of major doctrinal disputes that we now get the benefit of having in front of us those people who's already had to go to the mat, wrestle these points of doctrine out. What is exactly the Bible saying about this, that, and the other? And, you know, we're not talking about a couple of guys here who uh, was sitting in some dark room somewhere and decided to write a, a confession or a creed or even a catechism. We, you know, we're talking about some of the best theological minds in our church history, and several of them in some of these cases that have came together uh, on particular points where where heresy has attempted to enter the church. You know, I'm talking way back in church history here, uh, and and we get the benefit of that here on in, in black and white on pages such as these creeds, confessions, etc., and even the catechisms. Uh, and so, so these things were not written just because somebody thought it'd be a good idea one day to sit down and hey, let's scribble something out here on what the Bible says, or at least what we think. Not, not exactly that. There, there were major disputes, major questions that had come along in the church, and and these things are products, most especially the creeds, are products of those uh, of those problems. So. Uh, you think we should move on to catechisms? Next? Yeah, catechisms. We, we haven't really talked a lot. We haven't about talked about catechisms. That's a good catechisms. So, Matt, what is a catechism? This is according to Britannica. Catechism, a manual of religious instruction, usually arranged in the form of questions and answers, used to instruct the young to win converts and to testify to the faith. So, a Bible Q and A. Yep. A Bible Q and A. Yes. Yeah. Well, but, but listen to what it said. That this is what bothers me too. Is are you trying to calm me down? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Petting him like a kitty calms him down? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Here's what bothers me, too. <laughs> Listen to what it said in that. To help to instruct the, the young. young. Yeah. Yeah. 
The problem is there's a ton of men and women that are grown that need to learn These the basic truths. Yeah. yeah, which you probably know them. You just don't know that you know them. I, I had never attempted to even know, or, I mean, I had never really heard yeah. the word yeah. catechism. Not until I came here. here. And then I see these kids, you know, yes, here we have, you know, Kids Corner and uh, it's Q&A. And then I start digging into the catechism myself and I'm like, wow, yeah, this is really neat. But you're not the person that bothers me. The person that bothers me is the one that says, we don't need these things. Yeah. What do you mean you don't need these things, especially these catechisms? You need to learn doctrinal truth just like these kids do. You need to know doctrinal truth, fathers, so you can teach them to your kids. Yes. But when we say we don't need things like this, it's just give me the Bible. What do you say things to that? What do you you say to that? Just give me the Bible. I don't need Uh, creeds, confessions, or catechisms. Just give me the Bible. You know, we talked to a guy here recently who said he was just about the Bible. Oh, yeah. And... Good, what, 75, 80, maybe even 90% of the junk he was spewing was not biblical. It was taken out of context. How many how many tools does a carpenter and a craftsman use when they make things? Why not use all the tools at your disposal? We have our primary tool, Scripture, but why not use all the other tools we have? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, if I could comment on that for just a second. Well, you uh, are our special guest. The, so. the uh, First of all, what we're not saying here is that there are other truths that are equal to or even seen greater than Holy Scripture. That is not what anybody's saying, just to be clear. Uh, However, at the same time, again, because of our sin nature and our sinful perception of things, we can't even read God's truth and take it for what it actually is and for what it says. And, And it's because... Of our gross, sinful mind, our sinful hearts, uh, God's revealing Himself to us through Scripture is perfect. It it is perfectly perfect, uh, but we don't take it. We can't understand it as it is that perfect. And so, you know, on the other hand, when you take this man or woman who says, "Look, I'm." I'm going to lock myself here in the room. I just need me, the Holy Spirit, in my Bible. Uh, the reality is there's just almost always some sort of gross heresy that is born out of that. And and it is because of the things that we don't know about Holy Scripture. For, well, first of all, uh, almost everybody believes, or, there, or at least we'll get to read in Holy Scripture as if it was written directly to us. Yeah. We got to remember that, and and the reality is, it's written for us, but, not but it us. wasn't written to us, and that sounds like a minor distinction to make, but it's actually pretty critical mm-hmm. as yeah. we uh, try to make twenty first century application uh, out of a document that, well, you know, most of the new, well, all of the New Testament is a first century document. Yep. And and not a 21st century document. Does it have application in the 21st century? Most assuredly it does. Yes, sir. However, you know, when John was writing Revelation, he didn't have in mind Apache helicopters and army tanks, I promise you. No, you know, and, 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 I, and I know I'm going in a direction here that's other than what we're talking about. However. No, but that needs to be said. Uh, yeah. but, but, but the point is that's where a lot of these heresies are coming from. It's It's not that God's word is full of heresy. It is that the sinful reader of God's word 
is overwhelmingly sinful and prone to try to read falseness and deceit into holy truth. And and so that's where those things become dangerous. Uh, you know, let's keep in mind the apostle Paul says he gave the preachers and the teachers for a purpose. What is that purpose? To not be uh, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried mm. about by every wind of doctrine. You know, the just the desire to twist, pervert truth is just overwhelmingly and naturally there so much so that, again, we can't even read truth without trying to read some kind of selfish twist into it. I mean, it, it's it's really pathetic. Uh, but but one other thing, if I might, about these, uh, these catechisms is a catechism, th- this wasn't spelled out in the definition, and, you know, really you should have relied on me to give this definition. I'm, kidding, I'm, kidding. I'm just joking. He, he is. I have a confession. I used to Google again instead of DuckDuckGo. Yeah, yeah. He, he is. Oh, that's where he messed up. He is the first official sponsor of the podcast. We <laughs> should have right. let him answer that's right. first. Hey, uh, I've, I've got we're going broke on this episode. Hey, so. but we're not going hungry. No, we're not. That's, that's finger that, that is true, but... The one of the technicalities of a catechism is is a catechism is something that begins with a question, and and this is you know these these this catechism will begin with a biblical and doctrinal question, and the answer to that question leads us to the next question in the catechism, and the answer to that question to the next question, and and if I might, and of course this is the shorter catechism, the Westminster has the uh, larger. And shorter, uh, by the way, let me just encourage you. The shorter catechism is a great place to start with your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, by all means, read them the scripture. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no replacement for immersing yourself in the scriptures, in the word of God. There's no replacement for that. And we're not sitting here cheerleading any of these other extra biblical documents as right. if they are. However, uh, to sort of put up some guardrails and to sort of help guide us away from error and to keep us on the road of truth. These creeds, confessions, catechisms are really beneficial for that. But if I could just read, in, in, and I know this is Westminster, so you know nobody have a heart attack if you happen to be driving down the road or whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening to this, you know, don't swerve both hands on the wheel at 10 and 2, obey the speed limit. Just get you a spritz of water and calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let, exactly. Me, let me add to this that if you are like, I'm not going to read your Westminster anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is exactly. that what they sound like? They, they have a That's Baptist sound like. catechism as well. They okay, do have I, a Baptist catechism. I, I did not know that. So What's it called? The Baptist Catechism. Yeah, I like it. Simple, <laughs> simple to the pretty point. Solid. Well, man, that's pretty tough to understand. The, the, oh, the very first uh, question here in the Westminster is, what is the chief and highest end of man? Now, again, the answer did not come from somebody's opinion or somebody who was sitting around with their legs crossed and meditating one day, and all of a sudden this answer just appeared to them. You know, it wasn't anything like that. This is coming from Holy Scripture. Man's, and, and the answer is pretty simple. Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy Him forever. Amen. Uh, question number three, what is the Word of God? 
The answer, the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the Word of God, the only rule of faith and obedience. So this written, extra-biblical written document itself, right out the gate, says that Holy Scriptures, it defines what Holy Scriptures are, both the Old and New Testament, in case there's any question with that. Uh, But it it also goes so far as to say that the Word of God is the only rule of faith and obedience. It, It doesn't even write itself to be equal to or hold itself above the Word of God. It's constantly pointing you back. So for those that are pulled over on the side of the road checking their pulse, saying, I'm not a Presbyterian, yeah. uh, <laughs> let me now do the Baptist catechism. Can you preach like that sometime? Can I? I'd like to hear Please you. Please use that voice tomorrow. Yeah. Stand with me in honor of you. <laughs> Sound like Vince McMahon. <laughs> big old walk going. <laughs> and I only know that from the gif. Did I say that right? GIF, GIF actually, isn't it? GIF. That's the peanut cre- butter, the man. Cre- the creator it's actually pronounced calls it a GIF, but... That's choosy weird. moms choose GIF. And we're back. <laughs> the Baptist Catechism, question one. Who is the first and chiefest being? The answer is God is the first and chiefest being. Question number two, which Ben says rolls right into the next question. Ought everyone to believe there is a God? Answer, everyone ought to believe there is a God, and it is their great sin and folly who do not. Question three, how, how may we know there is a God? The answer, the light of nature and man and the works of God plainly declare there is a God, but his word and spirit only do it fully and effectually for the salvation of sinners. And then I'll start with question four, what is the word of God? The holy scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the word of God and the only certain rule of faith and obedience. So so even, even these extra biblical documents themselves uh, don't, don't make the statement, hey, only rely on us, just look at us, you no longer need your Bible. You know, right. that, that's not ever said. And and sometimes uh, there are those who can walk away or leave with the impression, you know, if you say, well, man, I, I like the catechisms or I like the confessions or I like any of this, say, well, wait a minute, man, you, you're stepping away from God's Word here. Well, not really. In fact, not at all. We're 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 definitely not cheerleading for anybody to shut your Bible and throw it on the shelf and let it collect dust. I mean, immerse yourself in the Word of the Lord, but don't be afraid to to rely on those who are more learned than you. Yeah, who have been gifted in ways that you haven't been, who uh, have spent years laboring in the Word of God. Don't don't shove that to the side, uh, because I you know I could I could be stoned for making this next statement here, but according to Ephesians four, you know if you if you're going to neglect the preaching and teaching and lock yourself in a room and only read the Word of God, uh, you're going to be in sin. First of all, you're going to neglect the gathering uh, of the saints. Gathering of the saints. Uh, you're, you're, you're not going to, uh, you're certainly not going to grow in the faith. You're actually going to become just a a thinkless rock. Uh, (laughs) I probably shouldn't have said that. That was, that's, that's, that's that's good. Um, I have a final thought on these things and then I'll leave it, turn it over to you guys for some final thoughts. 
one of the things that, um, first of all, I'll say these extra biblical helps, they mirror scripture. Absolutely. Yep. Right. So you are actually seeing what the scriptures say. So you're, they're not taking away from the scriptures or adding to, they're mirroring the scripture. So one of the thoughts I had is people that just say, well, just give me the Bible. And they just want to read the Bible. Like you said, go in a closet with them and the Holy Spirit and just say, that's all I want. It's all I need. First of all, they're going to be in sin because they'll have to neglect the preaching and teaching to do that exactly. aspect of it. But also, I run across so many people in my line of work, I don't call it work, of serving, um, that have a hard time understanding Scripture, mm-hmm. which sometimes, if we're honest, it is hard to understand and interpret what Absolutely. God is, is saying. But here's the thing. Like you said, we have got men, and there's even some women that have been involved in helping other women learn, and, and under, like even Titus says women should help you know teach women. So there are many people that have gone and on, on before us and put together these confessions and catechisms and all these things for it to help us understand God's Word, right? So people that say, well, just give me the Bible, and then they turn around and say, well, I don't understand it. It's kind of hard to understand. Well, we've been given these helps, exactly. and, and these are actually helps. And, and not only that, we haven't even talked about a fourth C word, commentaries, oh, yeah. right? If you get into good commentaries, and I know Ben will say, get yourself a good Reformation study Bible. We just gave one of those away. We still got to give to him. Uh, by the way, we gave away a Reformation study Bible, the full whole thing, well, not the condensed the version. So, uh, the Lord. a listener that listens every week, we Brian, right? Yep. We thank you. We thank the Lord for Brian for listening. We appreciate everybody for listening. But uh, these things help us. And then commentaries—they got to be good commentaries. You can't yeah. go out there and buy. Yeah. Uh, what's the guy's name in down in Baton Rouge? Uh, Johnny. He's a uh, what's his name? Man, Phil Robertson. No, not Phil <laughs> Robertson. <laughs> Uh, I used to watch him all the time just to see what he'd say next. I can't remember. Uh, I'll remember it when we get done. It may not even be Johnny. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the we have these helps, and God has given them to the church mm-hmm. to utilize. So we need to take advantage of the creeds, confessions, catechisms, and good commentary. And I wouldn't. I would just encourage anyone that may be thinking. Well, what are good commentaries? Ask us. We'll help you. We'll point you into the right direction of solid biblical commentaries. Uh, ask your church leadership first. That's uh, the, the best way to approach that. Uh, but also, you need to challenge what your church believes. Uh, not challenge them in a way that's unbiblical, but test the, spirits. test the spirits is what I really mean to say. Make sure that what you're sitting under is true biblical teaching, and and then go from there. You got something? Yeah, I was wondering what the guy's name was. Is it Johnny Green? No. Johnny Lee Clary? No. (laughs) Okay. While y'all finish your final thoughts, I will find this guy's name. He's a Pentecostal guy. Well, I I couldn't help but think if if we go, if we turn the clocks way back, uh, if, if someone like Pelagius was to write a commentary, and and Pelagius was someone who uh, took a stand and said, "Hey, uh, the Scripture says, be ye holy as I am holy.' So that must mean that we have the ability in and of ourselves to be holy. Otherwise, God wouldn't have commanded us to be holy. And so uh, Pelagius took the position that you don't necessarily need grace to be saved. 
You don't even need Christ to be saved. You don't even need the gospel to be saved. Just based on the idea that God said, be ye holy as I am holy, you must have the ability and capability of being holy in and of yourself. And so we all know that that would be an absolute gross heresy. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest heretics that's ever walked the face of the planet was was Pelagius. And so if he were to write a commentary or or to write something, you know, speaking to what what Stephen mentioned there about good and bad commentaries, we we wouldn't have to read too many sentences into uh into this guy's commentary here to we we would know, hey, uh, you know, this might make better fire starters in the fall for for marshmallows, hot dog roast, and things of that nature. Uh, more so than a commentary. So so just know that anytime you step outside the pages of scripture, you're you're reading documents uh that are that are subject to have error. You know, Holy Scripture is the only thing that is infallible and inerrant. And uh, these these other these other things do have the ability to err, uh, and sometimes they do. And just because it's a commentary that you pick up at the local Bible bookstore or wherever it is, you get your whatever. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good one. It doesn't necessarily mean it's reliable. It doesn't necessarily mean it's even biblical. Uh, so, so be aware of that. I, I would encourage anybody uh, alongside Stephen here just to back up what he's saying. Uh, I, I would actually consult, uh, first of all, if, if the leadership in your church is biblically solid and, and then there again, we run the risk of, there's probably nobody who would say, well, yeah, my preacher ain't very solid. You know, when reality they don't know enough of the scriptures themselves to know if he is solid. Yeah, is unfortunately what happens in a lot of cases. But uh, con- consult with those who are learned and and ask them, hey man, is is this a reliable commentary? You know, is this something that that's actually would be helpful to me in pointing me in the right direction? And uh, so I, I just want to throw that out there, just just to sort of add some support and and. Shore up what what our brother here said because it it is so true, it is so true. That's right. Any of you guys have any final thoughts? I I've enjoyed this episode um, yeah. because I'll be honest, I really had no clue what a creed or a confession of faith was. Yeah, I didn't. I knew what a catechism was because we've talked about it before, but I've never I've never dove into them. I've never really looked at them before. And I'm pretty interested in actually sitting down with them and well, reading them now. Yeah, exactly. I, I yeah. wish we had had an opportunity to actually dive into them to where we could see, sort of get some examples as to exactly sure. what these things say, especially as pertaining to these particular points of doctrine. Well, we dove uh, into the catechisms a couple times, and we, yeah. we did a creed. Why don't we read at least a section of the, the confession of faith just to give our listeners and watchers an idea of what they're going to read like and sound like. Yeah, I mean, I don't have uh I don't I don't know what the timeline is here, but uh, well, we could go through a couple of chapters here this time. You're sponsoring the episode. No, I'm kidding. So <laughs> I'm kidding. Um so so just just in case you don't know, uh and 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 listen, if you don't know, it, it's not the end of the world. Uh but but take an opportunity to learn uh, the the sixteen eighty nine London Baptist Confession has thirty two chapters in it. 
Uh, it's more than a two or three page document that lays out what what we believe the Bible says and what it does not say. And and so it, it takes some pains here to be somewhat thorough, especially in some of these uh, points that we often take for granted. We, we take it for granted that when we say Bible that everybody automatically knows what that is. You know, yeah, and, and so, but the reality is in different cultures and amongst different people groups, the word Bible can mean something radically different than what we may be thinking of here in the South. But just to give you a, a quick flavor here, uh, I'll, I'll hit a couple points right here out of the London Baptist. And, and this is from the very first chapter and each chapter is broken up into sections. And, uh, some of these chapter headings, chapter one is of the Holy Scriptures. Uh, chapter two is of God and the Holy Trinity. Chapter three is of God's decree. Chapter four is of creation and et cetera, et cetera. It just moves along through just like that. And then each chapter is broke up into sections. Uh, but chapter one, Section 1 of the uh, London Baptist reads this way, the, the Holy Scriptures is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable. Now, where, where does that... What what does that sound like to you? Sounds I mean, like Romans it, 1 to me. Yeah, exactly. We've got echoes of Romans 1 right here just in the first sentence. Uh, so, the light of nature, works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and His will, which is necessary unto salvation. In other words, I can't go out here and have a conversation with a rock or a tree and find out what the gospel is. That's right. You know, I can know for sure that, hey, there was a first starter. There was a, a primary cause. There was an immovable mover. Someone who created this rock, created this tree, not only created it, but also sustains it. Mm -hmm. Um but I can't come to know who our Lord Jesus Christ is based on this rock. And so it really begs the question of these people who claim to be believers, and yet they, they never go to church and they don't know a single word of Holy Scripture. And it's like, well, you know, nature is my church. Oh, really? I mean, anyway, that, that's, we a talked whole, about this. that's a whole That's a whole other conversation. I apologize there. But, but anyway... They're, they're not a sufficient. The, these things in nature are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and His will, which is necessary unto salvation. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal Himself and declare, and to declare His will uh, unto His church and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and in the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing, which makes the holy scriptures to be most necessary. Those former ways of God revealing himself. Okay, here we go. Right here's an example of, of what not. We're, we're affirming what something is and then going to go ahead and say what something is, is not. Those former ways of God revealing his will unto his people being now ceased. Well, what do we mean by that? God sending prophets 
is is no longer something that happens. Why? Because he's revealed himself in his word. This is the yep. faith once for all delivered to the saints in Titus. Yep. Uh, Revelation, hey, if anyone adds to or takes away from these words, may the curses that are in it be applied to that person. And so the, the previous ways we recognize of God revealing himself no longer needed because we have his holy word, you know, and I, I wouldn't stop at prophets. I would move on into apostles yeah. and that sort of thing. By the way, Mason, did you get that certificate they sent you for your apostleship after you sent the money? <laughs> it, it took about four months. <laughs> okay, I finally okay. got it. I finally got it. Good. We need to put that up somewhere. But anyway, I that, that was, was a joke. I had a prophet one. That, <laughs> that was a joke. But but at, but at any rate, that is the first section of uh, chapter one. And, and then it goes on to name exactly what those books of this infallible Word of God is. It lists and, all and it, it lists of them. Absolutely. It lists all 66 of both the Old and New Testament. And, and then it moves on, uh, section three, just to give you a flavor of this here. The book's commonly called Apocrypha, not being of divine inspiration. Amen. Are no part of the canon or rule of the scripture and therefore are of no authority to the church of God nor to be any otherwise approved or made use of than any other human writing. Yeah. So, so there's distinguishments made here between what is and what is not, which is critical. Uh, it, it just helps us to further define exactly what it, this, this entire thing here, uh, confessions. It, it just helps us to further define exactly what it is that you do believe. Right. And, and if I could just add one other thing out here, I don't know how we're doing on time, but uh, one of the main purposes for these confessions, it, it actually does more for the leadership of the church. Uh, it, it is something that when you, I tell you, Sunday schools can be some of the most dangerous places on the planet. That's right. Oh, uh, yeah. But but if if everyone in your church, as far as uh, the pastor, the uh, maybe fellow elders in the church, the deacons, Sunday school teachers, all of these people unify around exactly what it is that the Bible is saying. You don't have all these diversities that is going on where this Sunday school teacher said this. Well, as soon as Sunday school was over, it just so happened that the pastor preached about this. But the pastor preached something completely different than what I just heard in the Sunday school class. I mean, how confusing is that? But it does happen. It, it happens a lot. And, and I mean, that's just another benefit of, uh, of these confessions. It helps to weed out uh, do away with a bunch of this confusion and and unify around exactly what it is that the Bible does say. Which, if anybody listened last week, that is the the reason church membership classes are necessary. Oh, amen. Yeah. To know what we teach and believe, and in that, in ours specifically, says that you may not line up with us on secondary doctrines, but you can't rail against what we teach and be divisive and all those things. Absolutely, and everything. Just to piggyback off that, like Sunday school material, we're going to preach through the Word of God on Sunday, in our Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anybody wants to do anything else, it's going to be examined by the elders. I know we did John MacArthur, MacArthur's uh, Foundation or Fundamentals of the Faith, and uh, we're actually going through a Paul Washer book on Wednesday nights. 
that in our class has been very helpful just because we get to talk in depth about a lot of things that we normally wouldn't. It's been edifying to everybody, I think, not just the students, but also the teachers. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's important that the elders are all on the same page when, when yes. these yeah. things are being taught. So that's and, and Yeah, absolutely. That way you don't get the confusion. That, right. that, that's absolutely. exactly right. You don't want division between everybody. Yeah. And I'll say uh, he he alluded to it, and again, this is going to be my final comment other than one more. Well, it won't, it'll be my final comment about this. Uh, we have the Bible, creeds, confessions, catechisms, and if you put these things almost like a lane that you drive in, uh, my vehicle, if I get too far over this way, it's going to go beep, beep, and pull me back into yeah. the lane, right? Some of y'all have vehicles like this. So that's what these do. You have the Bible on one side, creeds, confessions, catechisms, that if you start to get out of bounds, it's going to say, whoa, 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 this is where we're at. You're going to get out here in left field and leave yourself open to interpretation. This is where you need to stay on this narrow lane. And you have the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the final authority on one side, and the helps that are the catechisms, confessions, creeds on the other that are keeping you in check, in, in orthodoxy. Sure. So those are my final thoughts. Is anybody else? So I, I think I feel like doing a giveaway today. Whoa. I've been thinking give, about what, one myself. What are we giving away? News. I'm going to give Breaking away. Breaking news. Are we ready? Jimmy Swaggart was the name I was thinking of earlier. Give now I don't even know is. why I was trying to mention <laughs> no him. No idea so, yeah, you don't. Okay, want to that, that is a name to stay away from. <laughs> yes, to be clear. Yes. Just to be, be clear. clear, do not go to Jimmy Swaggart. Exactly. Uh, here's what I want to give away: the first five people that says I want one, I want one of these 1689s. I'm going to give away five hard copies of the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith to the first five people that comment I want one, and uh, these are going to be in modern English. That's abridged, is what we call them. They come. What, hold on. What do you want them to comment on? Because we've got YouTube, we've got Facebook. Do you want them in a specific place? Because that's we got to go back and look at times and things like that. Well, yeah, because every comment will have a timestamp. What so if we, we told that? everybody to go to our YouTube page to subscribe to the channel and hit subscribe? Say I subscribed. I want one. Okay, I mean or those are those are clear rules. Forces people there and says, yeah. "Hey, they have a YouTube channel because a lot of people like Ben don't have Facebook, but he might have YouTube on his phone or on his TV, and he can so pull it up." If you're doing the Facebook I, Live thing like we do on Sunday nights right now, do not put it in the chat here. Go over to the YouTube and put it there. Type in the Christian Foundry Podcast; it'll show up. You just uh, subscribe, and it doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't cost you anything at all. No, not at all. Free of yeah, charge. J- just just so you know, I mean, yes, I, I don't have Facebook, and. But I I, t- I don't have a car that beeps when I when I go between them. <laughs> I was about to say starts my to veer off, but yeah. my but off. I do have a horse that's extremely reliable. Uh, he he will stay. He doesn't beep, but he does stay in the right lane. <laughs> yeah, your car's been out there pooping in the grass. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, but these are pretty sharp. They're little booklets. They're you know I wish I, I meant to bring one with me today. Yeah, I forgot mine too. But uh, no, we're talking about the, that's the pocket puritan. No, I'm talking about the Are you talking about the big one I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. Uh, I think it's very important for us to dive deep into God's Word along with this help of a confession. So we're going to give away five. Subscribe on the YouTube channel. Comment there. Say, I want one. And the first five to do that, you got it. Amen. That's great. Well, I think it's time for one more thing. Repent. 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 And believe the gospel. believe the gospel. I don't know why I shot the camera. (laughs) (laughs)